Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is the important topic of hiring the right people. I have a terrific expert who's going to share his thoughts, Alex Rosenblum. He's chairman and CEO of Axia Home Loans. He's also on the board of directors. Prior to that, Alex was CEO of Alistar Resources, a private equity firm, and he was with Price Waterhouse. Hi, Alex. Hi, Pat. How are you doing today? We're doing great. This is such a critical topic, but before we kind of go into it, let's uh, talk a little bit about how you got into mortgage banking and how you got into managing and what was the best advice that you received on the topic from others. Well, I'll answer in two parts uh, how to get managing steps. Way back when I was about 15 years old, my father founded and grew a donut manufacturing plant for his career. And uh, when I was 13, I started working in that plant. By 15, I was supervising the uh, packaging lines, uh, which was a lot of fun. So it gave me a chance to start managing people on the line and work with all different types of individuals. And that was up in Utica, New York. So started, uh, that's sort of how I got into it. And obviously very enjoyed uh, that role and, and uh, grew from there. But And then as for mortgage banking, uh, I studied real estate finance uh, at Cornell. And um, so I've always been uh, in the real estate world and familiar in the, in the mortgage side. In the beginning, it was more on the secondary side, securitization side. But uh, as I moved out throughout my career and founded Alistar Resources, I uh, invested in, in Axia Home Loans back in 2014 and really learned a lot about the uh, retail origination side. So, and it's been uh, been a wonderful journey since. So what was the best advice that you received on managing? And it probably goes back to when you first started, I'm sure. Sure. You know, when it comes to the best advice I'd, I'd receive, I'd have to say, you know, when you're, when you're picking your team or, or hiring your team or reallocating or managing your team, it's uh, you really want to play to people's strengths, not to the least weakness. So you, you, you identify uh, your, your employees' uh, best strengths and you put them in a position where, where that strength yields the most advantage uh, and allows them best case to, to, to succeed. Uh, that and, you know, you want to uh, create a comfortable environment for your employees to, you know, be able to take uh, a certain amount of risk and not be afraid to fail. And so along and so forth, they, they learn from their failure. So obviously there's a, there's a degree of accountability there, but I find that having an environment where, you know, people have a high degree of autonomy they're qualified to do their job and they do their job and they learn through their job is, is you know, the most sustainable approach to uh, long-term success. So were there any books or authors that, that you read that you really would recommend to our listeners today? Sure. Two, two books come to mind. Um, Excellence Wins. Uh, that was by Horst Schultz. That's, uh, he's the founder of the Ritz Carlton brand. Mm-hmm. And that's about customer service uh, excellence and, and also treating employees like customers. Uh, and then also another good book uh, that I really loved was uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh, yeah, that's a very famous book, too. So they're they're actually great choices. So what was your when you look at your career, what was your greatest victory in your career from your viewpoint? Uh, I've been very fortunate enough to have plenty of victories uh, so far in my career. But I'd say the most critical victory for me was being able to uh, achieving a, a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers in their M&A advisory group out of college. Uh, I graduated in 2009, and that was in the um, the bottom of the, the 
the uh, market crash and economic crash, uh, Great Recession back then. So obviously it was slim pickings for a job and I was extremely fortunate to have what was an extremely coveted position at the time. Uh, really um, allowed me to keep learning and growing and really set up my career for the future. So I'd say that was probably one of the most critical victories in terms of setting me on the path I am today. So Alex, were were you involved with M&A for financial firms? I did a lot, not necessarily financial firms uh, per se. I didn't work on any of those projects, but we were generalists. I I worked anywhere from uh, movie theater deals to nuclear pharmacies to theme parks, genetic testing, so I'll, I, I sort of, um, oh, uh, pet nutraceuticals, that was, that was a great industry. Uh, a lot of exposure uh, to all sorts of industries. And there were real estate components to some of those deals uh, I worked on, which was fun. Um, but typically they were, they were sort of, you know, the business was selling and then the, the real estate transaction was a separate transaction. Uh, but the main transaction was, was the business itself. But, but on the side, uh, I'd start working on my own and sourcing uh, commercial real estate and investing in commercial real estate while I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And uh, then after I left, I continued that, continued that investing from there. So through all your varied experience, which is really inspirational in many ways, what was the greatest lesson that you learned or maybe one of the mistakes that people really don't recognize? I think the, the best lesson I've learned and just be, just from, uh, you know, my experience from either working at Pricewaterhouse or, or in my investment experience, you know, obviously having a good plan is important, but you have to realize that things rarely go uh, all according to plan, but that, that plan is that anchor. Um, but when things don't go according to plan and you're, and you're faced with a challenge in a business or, or a property or an investment uh, or a work situation, I've learned that you know working hard and, and doing the right thing and persevering uh, down the original path you were on and, and remembering that plan is critical. And you know, in every case, and you know, I'm not gonna win when I say this, but it's all it's always worked out to the good through that. So I mean, especially in mortgage, you know, up until about a year ago, it's been a tough market since uh, mm-hmm. since the end of 2017. If you remember, even the beginning of 2019 was tough with the government shutdowns and and uh, the housing uh, market being soft here in the Northwest. But I've learned that you know, you, you stay the course, you keep your team motivated, uh, you work hard, and and you keep your eye on the ball. And uh, usually, uh, you get through the storm, and the waters are much much calmer on the other side, and usually a big reward as well. So when you look at this topic that we're going to talk about today, hiring the right people, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's probably the most, I would say it's probably the most important decision you're going to make, especially in this, in this business and mortgage banking, we are a service business. So, um, you know, there's some technology, there's some capital requirements, scale only gets you so much advantage. Uh, so it really comes down to your people. Your talent is uh, should be, in, in, at least at Axion, and in, in, in my number one priority. I know if I work, hire the best and we work with the best and we continuously improve ourselves uh, into being the best, uh, we will uh, ultimately succeed uh, as a bank. Uh, when it comes to hiring the right people, uh, obviously you always have to think long-term with those people, but it is probably the most critical. Your team's the most critical decision you'll make, especially in this business, but in most businesses. So when you think about the hiring the right people and how it is a top priority, kind of walk us through kind of how you handle that and handle the process and how do you implement that across pretty much a nationwide environment that you operate in? You know, a couple of different processes kind of depends on who we're hiring, right? So, uh, you know, on the corporate or operations side, it's, it's a little bit more structured than on the sales side. Obviously, you know, uh, loan originators are paid on commission. So so the proof is sort of in the footing of their performance. Obviously, there's a, a cultural component we like to analyze. 
and a product mix. And, and uh, so we have a list of things we screen for, uh, but ultimately once you pass through that screen, um, you know, your production is, is uh, sort of speaks for itself. On the corporate side, a little bit more structure there. You know, uh, I can speak for the for my hires. It obviously starts with trying to source as many qualified candidates as possible, uh, casting as wide a net as possible, uh, and screening through uh, for the, the the characteristic traits you want to see in that position. And obviously, we do we do multiple rounds of interviews, both uh, you know sort of structured and unstructured, before we pick the final candidate. But you know, if it's a, if it's a senior level manager, it's it's a pretty thorough and, and long process. If it's a, if it's a staff member, you know, I I definitely rely on the manager uh, at that department to make the decision, since you know we kind of take the approach that our managers run their own departments as their own business, and you know our job is to put the right person in the right place, and then and they can make the right decisions uh, going forward. And that's worked out pretty well. So from your viewpoint, when you're having it down at the local level, some managers do well recruiting and then other managers don't. What is your thoughts on that and how do you handle that? That's a good question, Pat. Yeah, obviously, there's not much to be done when uh, you have a manager with uh, an excellent hiring track record. And, and those, that, those that don't, you know, uh, you try your best to show them, you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked. Uh, you know, we try to cross train. We try to, uh, we do a lot of knowledge sharing here at Axios so they get in the room and learn from managers that, that have a much better track record than they do. Though I, I do find that sometimes it comes down to, um, uh, per, uh, you know, personality traits and, you know, and it just becomes the case sometimes that, that that's not that person's forte. And, and when that's the, and when that's the case, we try to re, you know, redirect their role or, or sometimes, it, you know, we, we agree to, um, you know, uh, separate paths at that point. So, but, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical that you have a manager that's capable and, and has the competency of, of being able to hire, hire the right people or organization, or you will never be able to grow. So I, I find that as soon as you realize that you can't really help someone or they're unwilling to help themselves uh, in learning how to do a better job, uh, then the quicker you move on and put someone in that position that can, um, the better off the organization will be. So how do you handle, Alex, the cultural issue when uh, your, let's say your managers are interviewing, they're looking at W-2s, which is pretty typical, and production reports, and then this issue of aligning to your culture, how, how do you have that evaluated? A big part of that for our evaluation is we just try to expose them to as many axioms as possible. And, and usually through those series of interviews, you know, so it, it will kind of flush out, you know, whether or not they're a cultural fit or not. I think what's really important when it comes to culture is first, I think you need to understand what your culture is. I think a lot of companies say they have a great culture, but they can't really right. you know, describe it specifically. It's, it's, it's an intangible thing. And I think we can all say we have great culture. It's, it's, it's a great thing to say, but what is it about your culture that makes it, makes it special or makes it great? So I, I think it, you know, first you really got to sit down and um, with your leadership team and your managers and have a really clear understanding of, of what it is about your culture that makes makes you special. Every culture is unique. I'm not saying one's better or worse than the other. They're just different. And then once you once you're able to label that, it, it becomes much easier for you to sort of screen or set up questions to the candidates that will sort of bring those those elements to the forefront in terms of you know what kind of decisions they would make in certain scenarios or how they treat people um, on a day to day basis. So have you found, let's say, a profile that works for you? In other words, what type of person have you ascertained really fits with your organization? And what does that look like? You know, at Axia, you know, things that's worked for us is, you know, obviously a couple things. One, you know, a lot of ambition and hard work, uh, hard work ethic, the desire to grow, the desire to uh, learn new things, constantly improve. 
um, the desire to take some risks. And, you know, if they work out, that, that's great. If they don't work out, you learn from your risks and, and you don't make the same mistake twice. You know, mutual respect is really important. You know, I think we, we promote a culture where, you know, we can disagree with each other. It's not who's right and who's wrong. It's about getting to the best solution. Uh, so, con- you know, seeking that, uh, you know, uh, ideal solution is, is important for people. Uh, it's a constant pursuit of perfection, knowing that well, we're never going to be perfect. But in this business, it's so competitive. You know, you almost got to chase that that holy grail perfection to, to be the best of the best. So I'd say hard work, ambition, you know, obviously a uh, track record helps, but we're willing to be, uh, we're also willing to give people a shot that are new to the industry or, or, or young in the industry. I certainly have some very young managers that here at Axia uh, and employees that have been um, ex- extremely successful with the company. And, you know, obviously we also have older uh, managers and, and employees that have been extremely successful with the company. So uh, age isn't really a thing with us. Uh, and then the, the last thing is obviously uh, just being open to uh, diversity and, and different ideas. Uh, we're always constantly questioning the way we do things here. Uh, I like all the employees to, you know, obviously it's important to focus on your, your, your day to day, but, you know, someone who, you know, once a quarter, once a month or, you know, a couple of times a year comes in and the offices and, and sort of questions the way they've been doing something for, for a while and, and saying, hey, is this still the best way to do it? Is there any more technology that can improve this process? So it's, it's exhausting. It's, it can be stressful at times, but um, it's, it, it, the, the, the more you do it, the quicker you adapt, the quicker you evolve and, and the better company we are. And if everybody does it, then, then, then you know it's, it's going to yield the, the best results. So, Alex, when you're looking at the average age within mortgage banking, which is obviously in the high 40s to low 50s, uh, is there a concern about hiring going forward and how is that going to look like? And this whole issue of trying to bring in younger people to our business? Sure. Yeah, as a, as a younger person myself, obviously, I, I see enormous opportunity for uh, young people in mortgage. And uh, at times, I'm, you know, I've scratched my own head asking, you know, why, why aren't there more people, you know, entering this business even, you know, and I, I just go back to my own college days at Cornell and, you know, mortgage retail or, or origination was never really a thing. We covered everything else in real estate, but for, for some reason, and on the mortgage side and the debt side, but, you know, on the, on the origination side, we didn't really cover it. So, I think one, there's not a lot of exposure in the colleges uh, or as much as there should be. I think the MBA is doing a really good job at, at promoting that, but certainly it's certainly Pat is a challenge, but I'll tell you one thing that, that some of the young people we have brought into this company have really made great change. Um, they bring new ideas uh, and uh, it, it actually is definitely better for it. It's definitely a tough I- issue for everyone in the industry and really does require some rethinking of how we really define the position. Do you see the position, the commission only position as being going forward a strategy, although that's historically always been the case. But if you look at Quicken, they certainly have come up with a different model versus other mortgage lenders. What are your thoughts on that? I, you know, my thoughts are, I think the commission base for, for production is is certainly, I think, so, probably the future. I don't really see that changing. And, you know, I think it's a good thing, too. I mean, look, it's, it's nerve wracking. And to be so obviously it works against new hires or, or younger people or new to the industry because they don't have a track record. But for, for those that have built their business, it allows them to achieve the, the upside uh, infinitely from their from their hard work. And I think they deserve it. It's, you know, um, loan origination um, or loan originators, a very, very challenging, very stressful job. You know, those are successful. There's there's definitely a profile of, of loan originators. I've realized that it's sort of standard for those that are all, you know, ultra successful and they do really well and they deserve it. 
when it comes to younger workers, obviously it, it, it works against them because you know, you're entering, entering uh, on the sales side, you're entering a business that's largely dominated by, uh, you know, an older generation. So it's, it's tough to gain that traction. And, you know, you're handling a financial transaction that's probably the most critical, one of the most important, if not the most important financial decision of, of someone's life. So, you know, when you have someone come in and they have a very young face versus you can choose an LO who's been doing it for 20 years, the experience alone usually, uh, you know, yields a no-brainer result where the, the, the borrower is going to go to the, to, the, to the more experienced person. So where I've seen um, a similar situation unfold, and I think uh, an industry where they've handled it a little bit better in terms of younger sales training is in the commercial real estate space. Um, I, did a, I did an internship at Marks & Millchap, and, and watching them, how they grew their younger commercial brokers was, I think, pretty fascinating. And, and they're, they're in a similar situation there. In the commercial real estate business, your 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 typical transaction there in Marks and Millichap is a multi-million-dollar transaction. You know, you could be dealing with a local investor where this is you know what the bulk of their life savings, so it's a critical um, um, investment. Or you can be dealing with an institutional, highly sophisticated investor. So either way, you're you're in a similar situation where uh, these people are relying on the experience of the commercial real estate broker to guide their transaction. And so they tend to trust the, the older generation versus the younger generation. But at uh, M&M, Mark's Millchap, we call it M&M, what they did is they, when they brought in someone new, uh, they really uh, attached them to an experienced broker, um, put them on, a, on, on sort of a, a commission sharing plan uh, in the beginning. Uh, over a couple of years, uh, it'd be enough to get their feet wet, you know, cover their overhead, learn the business. Uh, and after a certain amount of transactions, they could then go off on their own. The, uh, the, um, the more experienced commercial broker uh, would oversee the transactions and get a small commission off that, but uh, it really allowed them to blossom and get two, three, four, five transactions under the belt. So when they, so when they went to the business or out in the market on their own, they could say they had the experience. I think that sort of model is something a mortgage could find uh, really useful. Well, I think that's a great point. It's certainly something I recommend to my clients and which really goes along with this thinking. What I see is certainly that the older generation that tends to be your loan officers that have been very experienced in our business that, in other words, they never really retire. I'm sure you've probably noticed that, but it just seems like a logical strategy that if you attached a younger person and let them take over their Rolodex at some point, yet they would be some type of sharing, obviously, and then presenting certainly uh, income that would be in addition to Social Security and, and other types of retirement plans. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. You know, that's how the wealth management business handles sure. it. You know, uh, I think the it needs to be a longer term plan, though, just because the switchover cost for a real estate agent is just so much lower than, you know, let's say a wealth manager's client. You know, to move sure. all your money over to new someone you don't you've never met before is is uh, much harder to do in your mind than, hey, I'm gonna, OK, I'm going to try this new uh, loan originator for a new, you know, with this next transaction. And so I think in the beginning, you really have to train the, the new LO as sort of a, as an apprentice and have a large degree of control. So for, for an LO that's looking to retire, I think it's a multi-year plan. Bring someone in early, sort of a junior LO, and and uh, you know, and then and then you know, as the person gets going, uh, and you slowly um, recede from the business, you still get paid a bit of an override on your book for a couple of years uh, as they continue to go. I think that's a great um, that's a great plan. And it's not something I see utilized too often here. So uh, I well, think it's a great. Kind of 
Yeah, no, it's it's something certainly I definitely discuss with lenders, but for all the reasons where there's servicing calculations and, and a variety of other reasons why they they decide not to do it. But for sure, we need to do something and it's just another idea. Um, certainly the time has flown by. We only have a few more minutes left. Uh, is there any uh, special takeaways that you would like to share today with our listeners? Sure. I, I mean, the one thing I didn't hit on uh, earlier was uh, yes for you know keys to keys to hiring and uh, the right people um, and, and the profile is uh, obviously pushing diversity. The more different people we can bring into the organization, the more different ideas um, uh, we can bring to the table. And and like I said, um, you know, ideas are just different. One's not necessarily better or worse than the other one. Uh, or sorry, not right or wrong. It's really just about finding the ideal solution. So I mean, that's been a major, uh, major push here at Axie as well to try to uh, diversify our employee base as we continue to grow. It's something that you know happens naturally as well, which is nice. But uh, yeah, so promoting that collaborative environment. Um, and then and that was the last thing I just add when you asked about the profile. You know, someone who who likes teamwork and working with others is absolutely critical in this business. Unfortunately, there's not many positions in mortgage where you can sort of do your job uh, from a closet. Uh, working through a computer, um, you need to be on the phone with people. Uh, you wanna, you need to want to interact with people. It's a people business. Um, whether you're uh, on the front lines, a loan originator, or whether you're in IT support, um, and that's that's, um, and I think that's what uh, the Excellence Win book, uh, Win's book, really um, really spoke to me was, you know, everybody in the organization needs to take a customer service approach to their, uh, whether it's an external customer uh, or an internal customer. So. Uh, here, you know, at Axia, obviously we're we're you know hyper focused on the borrower, and we trust our LOs to take care of that borrower. But it's really critical that the rest of the company also understand that we need to treat the LOs like a customer, uh, give them the best experience, so they in tune can can give the borrower borrower the best experience. And, and and what we tell everybody is, it doesn't matter what you do in this organization, you do have an impact on how our borrowers experience Axia, and it's important that uh, everybody understands their role and the value they contribute. Well, that's a great point to end on. It's certainly so true. That's for sure. So I want to thank you, Alex, for sharing your thoughts today. Certainly subscribe to where you listen to your podcast and rate today's podcast. Uh, you can sign up for my weekly sales tips at www.patsherlock.com. Thanks so much, Alex. You were terrific. Thanks, Pat. It was a pleasure.